each Sunday night I'd watch the practice with none, none of, of my, my friends. friends I'd turn the dial to ABC To see the creep of the week That Bobby Donald defends But I'm out of practice With your host, Keith Barney Can take Leo. Chick, check friends for ticks. Ah, oh, goddammit. it! Out of practice. And welcome to the Out of Practice podcast. We are going to talk about season two, episode thirteen, the civil rights. Uh, so, uh, what's going on with the ticks? Uh, I am in lovely Westport, New York, uh, where there are ticks everywhere, but it is beautiful. We're on Lake Champlain, and I uh, can't complain. Oh, Lake Champlain. I know Lake Champlain very well. It's because uh, it also borders Vermont. It, so, it runs down the length of New York and Vermont. I'm so close to Vermont that I'm actually using a Vermont-based VPN right now. How about that? Yeah, man. You need you need a VPN to hide the fact that we're doing this podcast? Are you... <laughs> no, they, they bought, just bought a new router off the shelf for the cast Take housing. that, feds. So, uh, the like, they, like, blocked all... Uh, streaming sites which makes no sense because there's a cast of actors here what else are people going to do but watch netflix so have to that's be, really weird why have, would they do that i don't think they did it on purpose i think it's just the like the default settings for this weird router so um but i ain't gonna play by those rules i play by no, my own rules no we we play by our own rules here at the out of practice podcast i also forgot to take my braces out so i'm a little extra lispy today and i apologize for that <laughs> You know, uh, it's uh, we are not the most professional podcasters out in the world, but usually I take my retainer out before I uh, <laughs> before I start recording. Yeah, well, you can't win them all. <laughs> that's not that's not what we're doing today. No, today we're going. We're going. So, so why are you uh, upstate? Well, Keith, a friend of mine had a few uh, uh, people who couldn't fulfill obligated obligations so i got asked to come up and do a, a quick rehearsal of the end the world goes round which is a candor and ebb review oh nice for our broadway uh literate friends uh it's been cool it's, i haven't done summer stock in years so learning a huge show in six days has been um stressful oh yeah that'll mess you up Really mess you up and question if you have any talent whatsoever. Because like I can't. How are we gonna do this? But I I think that really questions whether there's any sense in recording a show in six days. Yeah. Uh, recording and uh, rehearsing a show in six days. Yeah, not if you want it to be good. No. <laughs> but hey, it's really it's 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 a collection of really talented people. So hopefully we can present something. Something. Okay. At this, well, at this we point, that's as high as I'm aiming that we could present <laughs> something. Yeah, well, you know what? I've got a I've got a pro tip for you. 
You ready? Mm-hmm. Take out your retainer. It's <laughs> a good start. Well, today's my <laughs> one day off, my literal one day off, and here I am with you, friend. And you're spending it here with me and Tom Brady on the Out of Practice podcast. Oh, did, has Tom Brady emailed us? I haven't even checked. Oh, no, I haven't checked either. I'm so gonna check stay while tuned. We, while we go uh, through our next little bit here. Oh, great. So the uh, computer's going to crash. <laughs> Highly potential. Highly potential One, isn't even a thing to say. Pot- wow. Woo. It is 11 o'clock in the morning, and we are theater people. This is not a good time for mouth talking. <laughs> okay. What's next? Uh, all right. Well, I think we should uh, throw it back to 1997, because as we queued up from last episode, it is the holiday season in 1997, mm-hmm. and uh, I have a lot going on uh, for... The very important segment. This day in the basement. Because you gave me an assignment. I did. To find out what did I get for Christmas in 1997. And let me tell you, I went back and I found the video. No. Of us opening presents. And the first thing I thought, and this, this I think is important. We spend a lot of time talking about uh, our this days in the basement that sort of make us sound like we were a little, we did stuff and we were like sort of cool. We were still, you know, in high school, but like we were, uh, movers and shakers, movers and shakers who did things and had friends. And, uh, when I saw the videotape of myself in 1997, I'm like, Ooh, we are sending the wrong impression. This is, (laughs) this is a sad, sad thing (laughs) that was walking around in 97. Did you, have head, uh, did you have headgear, Keith? Uh, I did, although not in 97. By 97, I had my braces off. Uh, but because I had... Uh, I didn't suck my thumb. I sucked my two front fingers backwards. Hmm. That fucked up my jaw so bad that I couldn't close my lips over my two front teeth. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I mean, all in like third grade, fourth grade. So I had to wear a double-decker... Re- speaking of retainers... Uh, double-decker retainer called a Bionator for four years, followed by four years of braces just to get my teeth to, you know, even cooperate and function as teeth. It was really, really sad. But that, but that was the least of my problems in 1997 because I, there I am, Christmas morning, rocking my usual ensemble, and I thought this was the way to go. I was wearing a purple mock turtleneck which I wore pretty much every day, so the neck was all stretched out, even if that wasn't going to be ridiculous enough by itself. I was a chubby dude in a purple mock turtleneck, and no, there will be no pictures. Okay, fair. Fair enough. Uh, But here's what I got. Uh, I got some... uh, (laughs) Actually, several of these things I still have in my apartment here now. Uh, I got a couple of music ties... Mm, with like the key ties with musical notes. notes, yeah, and such that my parents got for a fundraiser at our school that I still own, but I am prohibited from ever wearing. Fair. <laughs> Jillian said no. She said not a chance. I'm surprised she hasn't gone in with a pair of scissors. <laughs> um, I also got a micro cassette recorder, which I still have. Okay, it's still used. With the little cassettes uh, with the little micro cassettes, yeah. Which you know, it's. It's funny because I got those in the 90s, and when I went to college, I got uh, one of those mini-disc deals. Yeah. Uh, which 
the tech was cool, like the sound quality was great, but those things were so buggy. Very There's, buggy. And it like, pained the ass them, to carry around. work anymore. Yeah. yeah, so I carried around this great recorder with this great microphone, recorded all this cool stuff in college, and then all the discs fried, and then it was just worthless. I should have just kept the old mini disc, and I say this as a as a tech nerd. Um, it was I wanna, too early in the generation. This is a non sequitur, uh, so I won't spend a lot of time on it, because I'm really interested yeah. in where you're going with this, uh, with the rest <laughs> of your Christmas ensemble. But I just read a really interesting article about how um, there's a this kind of an, an archival problem with... Uh, photographers all throughout the 90s who were storing mass quantities of high quality photographs on on the CDRs, on CDRs which apparently yeah. are shit and degrade very quickly over a little bit of only a little period of time and so thousands upon thousands of troves of pictures this particular article was talking about pictures from ground zero it's a yeah, and, yeah you I know, saw that. so it's a uh, so we thought we were so cool in the nineties with our tech, and it turns out, like those CDs I was burning one speed at a time for my band, guaranteed none of those play anymore. So that music is lost to antiquity. Well, seriously, and I, I, it was the early adoption of the new tech, right? I mean, especially back then, because it was new tech, but it was also still a physical medium, and so of course, there anything physical is going to die, and anything first generation chances are they're going to get fucked up and die. So, yeah, shorter shelf life than our VHS tapes, if you'd believe it. And I remember that was part of the selling point, too. They were like, these will last hundreds of thousands of years. It's digital. It'll be forever. Nope. About, you got about you got about uh, half a decade, if you're lucky. Oh, craziness. Craziness. Well, luckily, I'm a Dropbox person now. I have all of the... I've all of my entire life... Uh, if Dropbox ever goes out of business, I'm just going to kill myself. <laughs> Speaking of killing yourself... Oh, that's a terrible transition. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it out of the universe. Um, anyway, let's go back to '97. It's December 20th or 21st. We aired here. Was this twentieth? Because Saturday. Because it was the holiday season. We had a Friday episode. No, it was Saturday. Was it? That's what it says on oh, the yes. internet. Yes, it does. You're correct. I'm sorry. Go. Ah. Oh well. All right. So my last assignment uh, that you gave me a lot of work this week. I did. Uh, was to pull up my Christmas cop-out CD. And uh, so I, if you if you didn't hear last week's episode, why are you skipping around? Come on, you gotta, yeah. you got to be a completist you with do. us. It's, what are you thinking? <laughs> what are you doing? Jumping around. The look on your face when I said that. You're like, what? <laughs> All right. Uh, was, this was the first year of, I think, 15 <laughs> that I did. Jesus. Of... Instead, instead of giving real gifts that my family would have enjoyed, uh, I <laughs> put out an album of whatever nonsense I was recording that year. Uh, sometimes it was uh, demos I'd recorded throughout the year for various shows. Sometimes it was just like show tunes that people liked. Some stuff it was stuff that I wrote. Uh, but this first one, Christmas Cop Out One, which wasn't even called Christmas Cop Out One. This was my college audition CD. Oh my god. I know, I thought you'd be excited about that. So my voice teacher uh, uh, at that point wanted me to go and record a few things to send out to the colleges to get my audition. Um, which, it, it worked, to be fair. It totally worked. So we went into the studio and uh, recorded some amazing gems like this one. Thy hope 
which is here's here's what I why I picked this track because it makes me laugh so bad because it's in English it's the only one that we did in English but because it was classical right my voice teacher was like well you have to sing it classically which I didn't understand at all <laughs> like cl classical English diction which to be fair is different but in this case, I had no idea what the fuck he was talking about. <laughs> so I basically relearned English phonetically. And it, it's not classical diction. It's not English. It's just weird. <laughs> so I'm singing English like someone who was not a native speaker. Where if I just, just sing the song, what are you doing? It was really ridiculous. You do sound great though, buddy. You know, for a 17-year-old, it was, uh, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I still don't know but what the fuck that, I'm doing, but at least at least you went on to get some proper training and kill it. Well, I have to, to be fair, my voice teacher at that point was really, really good. I mean, he, he still is. Um, but a, a lot of the technique I learned back then with him, I still use today, so. In, in podcast bumpers heard round the world. In heard... In by our neighbors, <laughs> by our sad, sad, sad neighbors. All right, so moving on. What were you doing Christmas 1997? Well, it was my brother's birthday on this Saturday. Oh, happy birthday. But I'm not going to take any time to spend on that. What I thought, since we're talking about uh, Fuck you, brother. classical singing, uh, staying in the classic realm, I wanted to remind well, us that, that even though you and I were going through dweeby phases... I actually got... Phases? <laughs> yeah, well, I was trying to help us out. <laughs> I believe I did get a new guitar this year, which is big news. Oh. Um, but I wanted, to just, I wanted to spend my This Day in the Basement remembering that in 97, specifically on this Saturday, uh, we were in the midst of classic Saturday Night Live. Some classics. Oh. And in fact... Well, we'll go by the definition of... <laughs> whatever era you're at everyone has a different classic true but this was a truly great some one of the some of the greats were on and i wanted to just remember that on this night when the practice yes. was airing yeah it was this also aired this classic well i'm excited now as your father probably told you my name is ah uh, knew it was farley and i am a motivational speaker he was a uh, yes. Of course, I stock. picked a news clip of it, not the actual clip, because I'm an idiot. <laughs> but it's the it's a living in a van down by the river where he falls through the table oh. and goes to the door and stuff. Oh God, it's classic. Oh, that that was the first first the one, first right? one, when right? The, when like spade broke, it was yeah, really and funny. Christina Applegate. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Well, we just <laughs> we just explain exactly how old we mm -hmm. are. That's true. What our go to was, of course, we know that. Uh, yeah, good. That was a good night of TV. That was a good night of TV. In fact, I'm so glad that we're going to get to revisit two of the, the, the prime airings of that evening. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, so let's talk more about this time. It was a Saturday, and uh, the number one song, if you'd believe it, no. was still... No! But I've got a new one. See how long it takes you to figure out okay. who's singing it this time. I see you thinking. I got some, I got some country twang. 
Probably the most famous singer of all time. Much more famous than Elton John himself. Is it Elvis? It's Elvis! Wow! <laughs> you found a cover of Elvis doing this? I got Fat Elvis doing Candle in the Wind. Wow, Fat Elvis. Yeah, although it's actually pretty good. It's a pretty good cover. You know, and even Fat Elvis, you're like, man, his vocals are killer. No, dude can sing. And it was also, this is the original version about, um, uh, about, what's her name? Uh, Marilyn Monroe. Uh, Marilyn Monroe. And Elton John, I don't think I ever knew El- uh, Marilyn Monroe says so in the song, but Elvis probably did. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll let Elvis keep rolling here. The uh, top movie, get ready, the beginning of the reign of... Uh, do you, do you know it? You should guess this one, Titanic? too. Titanic? Titanic. Titanic begins. It's very interesting time, because it only made $28 million the first week. It was one of the very few ones that the second week and third week were bigger than the first week. It actually started slowly, because it was supposed to be a disaster. Because they were talking about they spent $200 million on a movie for the first mm. time, and it was a disaster. But turned out okay. Also, the impetus for our meeting, Keith. Was it? Oh, right. Well, no, it wasn't. That was the movie, not the... Yeah, but the movie led to the musical. No, it didn't. It w- They actually debuted at the same time. Oh, yeah. I guess they would have had to been at the same time. Yeah. Which is why we had to... Every time we were... We went to a show, we're like, are you guys... It's a musical of Titanic. Like, oh, the movie? Are, which one? Are you playing Jack? Or are you playing I know, you know, whatever? I all people cared about. Oh, God, I hate that. I, my uh, brother-in-law is the lead in King Kong, the musical on Broadway right now. And the number of times I have witnessed him get, oh, do you play the monkey? Mm. And I, he, he handles it with such grace. You know what I think is, I uh, is kind of awesome, if I, if I can speak uh, frank, yeah. frankly? That when when King Kong came out, I felt like it got kind of raked over the coals a little um, unfairly. Wildly unfairly, yes. And it's the only real show from that crop that's going to continue to run. Yeah. I, I, I mean, have you seen it yet? Uh, yes, I got it uh, went on TDS. Like a candle in the wind. It's really exciting. Yeah, he's fierce. He's fierce. Yeah, Eric is an amazing actor. Yeah, I really enjoyed All it. Oh, right. Anyway. Yeah, well, well, well. That's your uh, King Kong mo- moment. <laughs> so the last thing we had to talk about, December twentieth, was Act sixty on the Burlington Free Press. The headline was Act sixty opponents push plan. And Act sixty, if you were a Vermonter in the nineties, you know what that is. If you weren't, you don't. Uh, but that was a uh, legislation that was actually a really good idea. Goodbye, Marilyn. Uh, oh, thanks, Elvis. <laughs> Our, uh, the way Vermont was structured before Act 60, each local school district would determine their own budget. And uh, the problem with that was there were some very rich towns and some very poor towns. And so the budgets of the schools would be... Oh, God. That's my fault. Uh, you think a commercial? Schools, a non-sanctioned commercial? A non-sanctioned commercial. We're not getting paid for that. We're not getting our half a cent a listen. <laughs> <laughs> um... Anyway, so the so there is a huge disparity between the poor towns' school budgets and the rich towns' poor school budgets. Um, so there was a court case 
said that's unfair um, because the, the kids are getting very different educations. So Act 60 basically revenue shared for school budgets um, so that all of the the budgets um, of the state would be pulled together and then given out equally throughout the state. And that was wildly controversial at the time because, of course, like the rich towns like Essex, which had IBM in it, they're like, fuck this, take that poor kids, you know, like, don't take money from us. And it ended up being not that big of a deal and the education system got better. Socialism. Socialism. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. Do you hear well, that? It is. Oh, what's that? You, I hear the beginning of the actual episode approaching. It is. Oh, it's coming. It's coming. Here comes the original episode. Okay. We are talking about season two, episode 13, entitled The Civil Right. It was written by three people, uh, BJ White, Joseph Teleshkin, and Alan Estrin. And this is an interesting trio of writers. BJ White, this is his only IMDb credit. Huh. Which... Lends me to believe it's probably a pseudonym, mm. uh, which is interesting based on the uh, the episode. And uh, Joseph Taleshkin uh, only has five IMDb credits. He did three episodes of The Practice, did some Touched by an Angel, and interestingly, is an ordained rabbi. Okay. And the last writer is Alan Estrin, who has 11 credits. Um, also wrote on The Practice and Touched by an Angel, and he wrote a cheesy TV movie called Bear Essentials, which when you see the bikini-clad ladies on the front, you're thinking, ooh, I, I know what, what's going to be Bear. <laughs> I definitely but thought no. it was a kid's show about bears. No, no, no. Bear as in, as in B-A-R-E. Uh, unfortunately, disappointing. I looked it up. No dice. Okay. It was directed... <laughs> By David Hugh Jones, uh, who previous to this directed four episodes of David E. Kelly's Picket Fences. Um, he'd done some TV stuff, but he was primarily a theater director. He directed a whole bunch of uh, Shakespeare and plays, uh, mostly in the West End, but also in New York. So that's our team for this episode, The Civil Right. The Civil Right. So I guess we're going to discover what The Civil Right is in this segment of what does Mike think's gonna happen? Yes, so. Uh, oh, you didn't bring your guitar up upstate. I didn't, because you never want to be that D-bag sitting on the porch strumming your guitar. <laughs> you know? And your bare feet. Yeah. Like, oh man, I love it up here in the country, in the north country. Uh, so Picking up chicks on the quad. What you won't hear today on the episode is the previously on... And what it dealt with was, first it showed a bunch of Jimmy's commercial. They retreaded the uh, 555 Grunt commercial. Jimmy the Grunt. Which we learned about last episode, but which aired two episodes ago. Uh-huh. <laughs> if that makes any sense. In our screwed up world. And then they closed the previously on with one of Eugene's closings, where he discussed uh, race relations in America. So I can only think that we're going to... Uh, have yet another uh, introspective foray into the world of fucked up race relations in the United States. Well, we're about to find out. Let's find out. Jesus, 
Yep, there's a juggling Mr. clown Stone. and a and a gospel bird. gospel Steen. choir. Yeah. You're next. A woman oh, with a bird in a golden birdcage. A blind guy. A hippie. Five, five, five. Grunt. This is what you get. Ah. They are seen. I'm, I'm sorry. I'll be in touch. And the full cloud. I should be next. I have connections. An old lady. Mom. Oh, it's his mom. Surprise you. It's Jimmy's mom. <laughs> now. I'm all for, okay, These all these random people who've been in an accident are coming to see Jimmy, but why would the choir decide to be rehearsing in the hallway? Well, and that's the other thing. It's going to be the whole episode. Okay, so I'm a, I'm a circus clown. Okay. I'm a gospel choir, right? Uh, I need to go talk to my lawyer. Let me make sure I'm in full clown makeup <laughs> and brought all of my equipment, and I'm wearing my choir robes. Because otherwise, how would you know what? I, how would my lawyer know what I am if I'm not in full regalia? And also, did they spend the money for a national airing of this commercial? That <laughs> his mom just his mom saw everybody saw it that quick. Everybody's well. I mean, to be fair, uh, in 1997, there's only like four or five channels. That's true. <laughs> you didn't have to wait in the hall. What are you doing here? Well, actually, it's a little private. So well, let's get away from the clown. We're having dinner last night. Why didn't you yeah. just tell me whatever it is then? I almost did. But... All right, it's time for... Jimmy's mom! Mom. <laughs> I don't know where else you can go with that, really. You go at full talent. Yeah. Full talent this morning. That is Lois Smith, a very well-known actress. You might have seen her in Lady Bird, in Twister, Minority Report, Gracie and Frankie, interestingly, which you'll know about later. She w- I know her as Sookie's, Sookie. oh, Sookie. Sookie's mom in True Blood. <clears throat> oh, God, I loved that show for a while. She, <laughs> We all did. <laughs> <clears throat> she started working in 1951 and is still acting. That's kind of, you know, Keith, as a writer, you can t- correct me if I'm wrong, but I love when they ham fist exposition in that two people would never discuss. They walked in and he said, well, we had dinner last night, mom. Why didn't you tell me then? Nobody would, ha- nobody <laughs> would say that. It's implied that we had dinner last night, right? Like, why would you have to reiterate that we went out to dinner? I don't know. But Degs, we've been old friends for 20 years and now we have a podcast. <laughs> Then I thought it might be easier to tell you here. Uh, is there something wrong? No, no. Uh, but, uh... Jimmy. What? They're so close. They're, like, gonna make out. I've been seeing somebody. Whoa. Oh. oh. Uh, this is good. Handled well, Jimmy. Well done. I know done. you can't bear the thought of my being with anybody but your father. No, I... I hey, ever since he died, it's been me saying, you know, you, you gotta go on with your life. Sweetheart, be honest. I know it's a jolt. Well, even so, I'm happy for you. If you feel happy, then... While we're discussing uncomfortable topics, Mom, I'm having sex dreams about a co-worker, and I think I might have told her about it a couple days ago. Yeah, she was vigorous. Is it serious? Yeah. We want to get married. Oh! Married? Uh, 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 are you sure? I, I mean, how long have you known this guy? 
Well, here's the thing. She's not a guy. Hey! Boom! Yeah, boom! Here it is. Shakalaka! Gay twist in the 90s. Big deal. Interestingly, it, interesting that she was on Grace and Frankie because that's the whole setup for Grace and Frankie. Yeah! Good show. Do you watch Grace and Frankie? Uh, I watched the first season. Enjoy it. I think. Uh, anyway, so this was. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was just. I, I, Sam Waterford's been on the show, hasn't he? Or did he make that up? Sam Waterston? Yes, he is. Yeah. Sam Waterston and Martin uh, Short. Right. Gee. No, I mean, have we seen Sam Waterston on practice? No, we have not seen him on the practice. Law and Order. I'll FX. fly away. That's a good show. Oh, hey. Hashtag FX. Are you all set? Almost. Quarter. Victim takes the stand. Big day. What about the second rape? Where do we stand? Man, those CRT monitors. They were so big. Huge. We'll call it here and on that is on Wednesday. I'm hoping to wrap up break number one before we move on to the next incident report. In my bag. His father keeps calling me. What do I tell him? Tell him he's got a wonderful son. Hmm. This office setup, Keith, we've got the candy bowl out. Is this still season one? It's a good question, because I've started to wonder. It feels like all of them are from season one after the first couple of episodes. I always, I, I can tell by Bobby's uh, hair. By Bobby's hair. <laughs> That's where we're but at. We, That's where but we're we've got to be running out of them soon. we got to be. Although, the way the office is set up does look that way. We have to see the conference room. The conference room is the tell. Yeah, it's the old school one. Are you... Is it like romantic love? Yeah. Yes, Jimmy. Are you, That's how it works. You know, dual sexual? Or are you... Dual Did sexual? he say dual sexual? I'm gay, <laughs> Jimmy. Dual sexual. Not gay? You can't be gay. You, you were married to dad. That's what women of my generation did. We married. I mean, men. Jimmy's mom didn't getting married isn't quite Ellen coming out on not. national TV, but, but I guess it's in it's, the universe. I think always suspected. Well, it's Eventually, it's about the same era. Yeah, I mean, this was a very them? controversial topic at that point. Jimmy, there's a corridor full of these. Get out! Get out! My mom's gay. They're clients of the firm. You deal with them. Out! Oh, Jimmy's Look, losing Jimmy. his shit. I spent my whole life denying this, denying who I am. That's not what you are. You're you. And this, this is probably an identity crisis. Although at least we can say that it's, he's being compassionate in one way. It's sort, I mean, he's sweet with her. But it's also in line with his sort of more conservative views, as we learned in the prison episode. We did, yeah. I mean, basically, Jimmy's speaking for... 1997 at this point there's gonna be a lot of that in this episode of like people speaking for the era Mm. and what's what's interesting is how this plot line feels both very old and very not old at the same time because it was very groundbreaking and and contemporary for the for then now it all feels sort of silly but i think that is a uh, n- not not silly, but like the fact that he gives a shit is a is seems silly yeah. by today's standards. But we have the luxury of living in a place where that's not a big deal. But there are still a lot of a lot of people in the world who are going to think like Jimmy does here. It's the nineties, kids. Big suits and lesbians. You know, I read somewhere where people can think there's something that they're not because the things 
that have nothing to do with what they think it has to do with. What was that, Jimmy? Well, Well said. I came you know in to him? see the grunt. Uh, oh, I'm embarrassed to say it. I thought maybe that was Cameron from Modern Family when he walked in. Oh, he was probably like 10. I know. It, it quickly dawned on <laughs> me that it was not him and that I had probably fat shamed this guy, but oh well. No, you're not the grunt. The grunt is tied up at the moment. Right. I'm working triage. What's the nature of your claim, please? I think that my dentist touched me while I was under. I beg your pardon? I take the gas because I'm squeamish. And I kind of woke Please up don't in play the middle this last for laughs. time. Please don't play this for laughs. And she was... Uh, I don't know if you heard the ADR in the back, but absolutely, someone in the background just said, did you wear a condom at the time? <laughs> that makes perfect sense. So one of the other cases going on as they're triaging all of the people coming in from the grunt commercial is, he's getting a lot of sexual cases, apparently. Apparently. Fondling my groin area. Ooh. Rebecca looks incredulous. Motive might be tough to prove, I realize. And do you see the man who raped you sitting in this courtroom, Miss Frazier? He's Welcome sitting Welcome back, right Charles there. Cooper. Kapla. Are you absolutely sure that the chains, that is the, the man? courtroom chain smoker? Yes, I am. Thank you. That's all. What do you think? Heart is soft. You've got no choice. It's over unless you shake her. You want the honors? <laughs> oh no. Go right ahead, Mr. Young. All right, Eugene. What you got? Rape is a terrible crime, isn't it, Miss Frazier? Yes, it is. And it would be a terrible thing to falsely accuse someone of rape, wouldn't it? There's nothing false about my accusation. Terrible, because oh. not only would that destroy the life of the person falsely accused, but it would make people less likely to believe the claims of women who really had been Objection. raped. Objection! Sustained. You said you met Mr. Porter at a bar called McMullen's. It's a restaurant. They have a bar in it. Was that the first time you had seen him there? We had talked there, maybe once or twice. Would it be fair to say that you had flirted with him? We talked. Were you oh, sexually God. attracted to him? He seemed like a nice man. Is it your testimony that you were not... Are our lead characters going to uh, slut-shame this lady? Sure is. Sexually so attracted. To, uh, there was some definitely... attraction, yes. Thank you. But that doesn't Did mean... you willingly Blame leave the, the bar with him? Yes. He gave you a ride home? Yes. And when you got home, you invited him in for a nightcap, didn't you? I didn't invite him in to rape me, Mr. Young. The truth is, you initiated sex once inside the apartment, No, I did not. I remind you, you're under oath. You initiated sex. I did not. Objection. Jimmy, this is Withdrawn. Why did you go to this bar alone? Objection. What were you wearing, Miss Frazier? Objection. My client has a right to confront his accuser. Speed it up. What were you wearing that night, Miss Frazier? Objection. Sit. Ugh. Lee. Ugh. Lee. Is this what you had on that night? Eugene has pulled up the yes. actual dress she was wearing. Ugh. A rainy night in February, temperature 31 degrees. You walk into a bar alone wearing this. Ugh. Yikes. Had you been drinking that night, ma'am? 
I had a couple of drinks. Beer, wine, hard alcohol? Vodka tonic. Hard alcohol. Do you remember how many you had? A few. More than three, more than four. I had three at the bar and a nightcap when I got home. Four. Were you intoxicated, ma'am? Objection. Overruled. Were you intoxicated? I'm sure See, this I is was the at thing least that would just intoxicated, would, but a- would never be allowed to fly anymore. A bad this girl, is right? this this is like a like a perfect example of the ugliness of of uh, how we treated. Well, <laughs> we still treat uh, mm-hmm. to a large extent rape victims in 1997. This was this was only um, a couple of years after Anita Hill. Mm. Oh, ugly. Uh, but while we're stopped, we can uh, do. Uh, Poor mistreated woman. Lady who had every right to wear that dress if we're being honest. Oh, oh my God. Who should have be murdering somebody right now? It is Ellen Bethea, uh, who only did uh, only did 10 uh, things. She was in the siege, did uh, some One Life to Live, All My Children. Yeah, so she only did 10 things. Uh, looks like she moved on from acting relatively quickly but does a good job in this episode she definitely is wearing your turtleneck from 97 she so. is yeah well no but that's a real <clears throat> turtleneck mine was a mock turtleneck oh boy you couldn't fold it down it just was that bad Again. were you drunk no i wasn't drunk miss fraser have you ever received psychiatric counseling prior to Objection. your time move to strike counsel <laughs> approach Ugh. do we know who opposing counsel is have we seen her before uh, we have not, so you know what I can do once I find the bumper. Where is God? Keith and his turtleneck, 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 Keith and his turtleneck. Keith and his turtleneck. I don't know how long I can do, I can stall for you, but Wait, I think you said Keith and his nerdle kit? Which is oddly appropriate. That is kind of exactly <laughs> what I'm wearing. Uh, I know that lawyer from somewhere. That is Maria Del Mar, uh, who you might know from, uh, she was on 24. Hmm. She was on a show called Blue Murder, which I don't know. And she was on the RoboCop television show. Uh, long may it live. Long may it live. Commonwealth has rape shield laws that expressly prohibit this type of attack. He knows it. Other than to examine the witness's ability to perceive and observe. Right. Goes to credibility, powers of perception. The line is proper under 265, subsection 24. You're on a short leash, Mr. Young. What short leash? He's been going off for like 45 (laughs) minutes. Being despicable. But he put his glasses on and that the judge appreciates. Miss Frazier. Come on, you're the leader of the Klingon Empire. for depression. Did you not? Oh, great. What's going on there? Swish cut to the, a clown on a pogo stick. Serious. Clown on a pogo stick. Walking through the office. Because that's a thing that happens in the real world. You know, it's incongruent to me that everybody's hemming and hawing because there's all these, like, quacks in the office that Jimmy brought in with his commercial. Yet, in the A case, or whatever case it is, they're defending a rapist. Well, it it is... Well, I, I'm going to feel this way throughout most of the episode. Like, what's going on? Like, I, I, I get sort of the comedy bit of, like, all the people showing up for Jimmy's thing. But, like, it's 
like you said, like the, the incongruity between that and these two very serious other cases, I, I, I it it makes it feel like it's all one circus, and it really these other cases should not be treated that way. Also, it's completely bonkers that these people are wearing I their mean, outfits. I mean, there's lots of other lawyers who probably specialize in this. Well, you're the only lawyer I know, Jimmy. Plus, I can't really pay, so who am I going to go to? Why is it so important that you, you know, be officially married? I mean, you you could live together and... Ugh. What is the what is her suit that she isn't allowed to be uh, married? She wants to get married. Well, yeah, because this is 1997... Um, so gay marriage is not allowed anywhere in the world. In fact, we're three years from civil unions in Vermont, which is the first step. Um, and then Massachusetts was actually the first state to, uh, to allow gay marriage, uh, I think in 2005, 2004, something like that. There are money advantages, benefits, taxes. But we're not there yet here. A legally married spouse can make emergency medical decisions. But mainly, we love each other. We want to be recognized as a couple. I gotta be honest, Ma. I think it's sick. Wow. Disgusting. I'm sorry you feel that way. That's not the way I raised you. And I don't think it's how your father raised you. A cool flip, though. Because usually this conversation happens the other way. When it's presented. You know? the child telling the parent, I'm gay. And right. the parent responding yeah. that way. So it's interesting to see a flip in her saying, I didn't raise you that way. Yeah, no, that, that is an interesting point, yeah. You're coming into my office asking me to help you marry a woman. I wouldn't be in here asking your help, Jimmy, if it weren't so important. We'll reduce the aggravated assault two years. I can't take any jail time, Cindy. Eugene is going to do jail time anyways up on another rape right after Fine, this one, but so. I can't recommend he take time on this case. It's her word against his. She invited a man she'd been drinking, no physical bruises. He's a convicted rapist with a rap sheet. But the jury doesn't know all that. From where they sit, there's reasonable doubt. It would be malpractice for me to recommend jail time. Oh, you're afraid he'll sue. I'll take the offer if it's all suspended. You can get your jail time on the next case. Are you it's a conviction. Me? You should be glad to get it. I got goosebumps. Fun job you got. All suspended? No time served? On this case. But the conviction will definitely be a factor in sentencing on the next case. Wow. If I'm convicted. He's a serial rapist. Right. That's great. So I think it's time for... Serial rapist! <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, that. Ugh. This is Bob Kirsch, uh, who actually, <laughs> probably because of <laughs> filming this character, <laughs> moved on to be a producer, producing a lot of reality television, uh, a lot of HGTV stuff, a lot of food competition stuff. Um, and interesting, I found a picture of him attending a gala with Cameron Mannheim in 2007. Huh. Uh, much later. And he played... Oh, we all missed it. He played Glenn on the Deep Space Nine episode, Tears of the Prophets. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. There it is. Did he rape anybody on that episode? Uh, not that I remember, no. Good. One down, one to go. Let's get him, team. 
Wow. The judge still has to sign off on the plea bargain before it's official. He seems lovely. We're going back in tomorrow. Well, let's get him, okay. team. Good job. Thanks. It's not the end of the world. Not the end of your world, maybe. It's not your mother. My mother's dead. Hey, this is worse. Trust me. You wow. think so, Jimmy? Jimmy. I don't mean to be insensitive to your loss. But at least you got all your memories intact. Mine. It's like my whole foundation has been ripped out from under me. If you don't know who your own mother is, how could you know anything? Not, nothing real anymore. Come on, Jimmy. Bobby, we're Catholic, and so are you. The Catholic Church has relaxed a little bit on homosexuality. Oh, yeah, right, and they, they lightened up on evolution, too. I, I bet they say it's the gays who come from monkeys. You're being nuts. Wow. It's unnatural. Jimmy, whoa. It's unnatural. You're making podcasting difficult, Jimmy. <laughs> well, I mean, he is speaking... Way, actually, in both case. of these cases, he's accurately articulating what many people believed in 1997. You know, and the same thing with Eugene. I mean, Eugene's uh, argument there, as despicable as it is, a lot of people thought that way in 97. A lot of people still do. I think it was probably 70-30 in 97. Now it's 30-70. But that's still... People think this shit. Yeah, you know, I, although I will say, and it's yet to be seen, we're going to find out, but in the uh, death penalty case, they were able to really put in some really human beats in order to abruptly show the evolution of jimmy's opinion and his mm -hmm. his coming so I, I thus far and we have what 30 minutes to go here on this episode i've yet to see them handling this as i can't i don't foresee them handling this as deftly but we'll see i have to take the case she's my mother mother asks the son to do something he does it of course i'm gonna do it Lindsay represented two men against an insurance company last year. A lot of that research will be applicable. Okay? You might have to call in a favor, Bobby, Bobby, with Lindsay. Do you know your sleeve length offhand? Uh, 35. Okay. Well, our tailor is coming. We'll take a few quick measurements. Uh, now, uh, we also have this in Eugene's buying a suit, it's, obviously. Uh, pretty stunning. No, uh, I like this color. Fine. Uh, would you like me to uh, pull a few combinations? No, thanks. I, I think I'll be fine. Ah, this is Brenda, our tailor. She'll mark your sleeves oh, and you'll be on your shit. way. Brenda is the victim, rape victim that Eugene tore up in court. And she is working That's at the, the tailor's shop. What? That's the man. Miss Fraser. This I man raped me. What's going on here? This man raped me. I got raped in my home. Then this man raped me again in court. Whoa. He's the lawyer who said I had it coming. Brenda. He said I asked to be raped because of the clothes I was wearing. He said I invited what happened to me because I invited Brenda. a man into my home. I invited him to rape me. That's the man who did it. That's the man. You were just doing your job, weren't you? Just doing your job. How's it feel, Eugene? Yeah, all right. I appreciate this. To me, a constitution means how well a person can hold his food. Well, don't get your hopes up. Congress moved fast on this. Same-sex well, marriage. My hopes Jimmy doesn't know what the my constitution is. Judge will order He's a lawyer. To go straight. Jimmy. Ma. Hi. Hi. Uh, this is Lindsay Dole, our constitution specialist. 
Why does his mom keep waiting in the hallway for him? Can't he pick her up? Well, <laughs> yeah, fair amount. Fair, nice fair to question. meet you. <clears throat> oh, it's mom's girlfriend. This is my friend, Michelle Sardo. My son, Jimmy. Hello. Hello. I've heard so many great things about you. Beyonce! Lady who's been all up in your mama's naughty bits. <laughs> that is Rose Gregorio, who did uh, a ton of episodes of ER. She was also on Mur- Murder, She Wrote, and on Doogie Howser. That was uh, my Doogie Howser. Dull, Michelle Thank Sardo. you. Hello. Hi. I'm resisting the urge to name drop. Well, we have an ex parte hearing scheduled before Judge Nelson. He's very fair and liberal. I mean, now you've set it up, Keith. You have to. No, no, I already mentioned it. I've been in his house. (laughs) (laughs) So, how about those Celtics? That's basketball, right? Is this the test? Because I know she likes hockey. It is a test. No, it's, you know, those Bruins had such a terrible year. I know! You're breaking my heart! You I know! (laughs) We had a great year. I'm still waiting for them to schedule Game 7. I don't know why it's taken so long. Wow, I can't man. wait. There, the practice, the podcast somehow inadvertently re-kicked you in the ass, Keith. Oh, ow. You know, uh, L- Lindsay's good with civil rights, so we're in good hands and stuff. Ah, the civil right. It only took 16 minutes, but we got there. We got it. Why don't we go? Oh, yeah. Let's go. That was a good scene. Was a good scene. Eugene, you can't let it bother you. Why? Because I was just doing my job. As long as you can write it off to just doing your job, you can get away with anything, anything at all, right? No. Oh, now you're incredulous because you got shamed in front of people, Eugene? That's all it took? Well, I think what's weird about this scene is Rebecca D. Cricket, of all people, is like, no, man, you're just doing your job. Just, like, you know, be horrible to that. (laughs) Blame the victim. Blame the rape victim. That's great. Rebecca D. Cricket. Your uh, conscience is broken today. Well, Eleanor did tell him that he had to do it. Well, she, uh, no, I guess she just she just posted the the his options. Well, I mean, th- I I think the argument here is that that was their job as the defense attorney to do that. What what's different between now and then is, God, let's hope, is that that was expected and part of what you could get away with as a defense attorney in the nineties. You know, and if I, you didn't do that, I, I guess we'd have to actually talk to real. There's probably a podcast that does this for you that talks to actual defense attorneys. But I'd be curious as to. I imagine there is a subset of defense attorneys who really only take cases of people who they truly believe are innocent. Right. Rather than Not just a lot of walking that line. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and of course, like. We're, we're in a situation here where the firm gets to pick their cases as opposed to being like a public defender, that kind of stuff, where they just get whoever shows up in their lap right. and are you know often dealing with cases where it's very obvious mm-hmm. that they're guilty. And it's an interesting. Yeah, a friend of mine is a public defender here in Queens. Uh, bring him on at some point. Yeah. 
All right, hold on. I have to take a leak. Taking a break. After these messages, we'll be right back. So speaking of local uh, DAs and uh, public defenders, if you happen to be listening to this on the day it comes out and you happen to live in Queens, there's a very important primary for the Queens DA tomorrow. So go out there and vote. Your local DA is actually very important, especially here in Queens. V-O-T-E. Vote, vote, vote. Yes, and vote in your local elections, kids. Yeah, well, maybe I've been doing this too damn long. Now, I know. You can't believe that. You know what the worst part is? It wasn't hard for me to do it. I've done it so many times, I just put it on automatic pilot. Rape is a terrible crime, isn't it? And it would be a terrible thing to falsely accuse someone of rape, wouldn't it? That it would not only destroy... It's still so out of place. We... We had such a come to Jesus at the end of the first season, and then we're like retreading those beats now. Yeah, well, like I said, this show hates itself so very, very much. Destroy <laughs> the life of the person being falsely accused, but also Q R S T U V W X Y and Z. Now I know my ABCs. Next time, next time, won't you sing with me? Wow. Maybe that wasn't a pseudonym, Keith. Maybe that this is the first and only time that guy's ever written anything. <laughs> No, I but I actually think that's good. Like I I love Eugene's calling out of the roteness of blaming the rape victim. And I, I actually to think it's order the of Commonwealth sense. of Massachusetts to issue a marriage license to your clients. In our view it's illegal not to. You're aware of the recent federal legislation which well, This guy's famous. He is indeed. That is Mitchell Ryan, who you might know from Dharma and Greg. He was in Liar Liar on Murder, She Wrote, and he was in Halloween 6, the amazing Halloween 6. Uh, <laughs> I think it's probably one of the worst of the series. Oh, for sure. Um, and for me, he plays Riker's dad on The Next Generation. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. Where they get into a climactic father-son battle playing a game called Ambujitsu. Which at which my, point they're both which, blindfolded and hit each other with clubs. That was my nickname in high school. Um, <laughs> Ambujitsu? Yeah. I nice. wanted to say, Keith, that uh, you can find this lovely man's headshot, along with all of the guest star headshots, on our Instagram, Out of Practice Podcast, uh, where Keith does a lovely job of compiling all of the guest stars for the week uh, and makes our podcast look head and shoulders more professional than it is. Yes, and you can see all of them on the outofpractice.blogspot.com where we have a definitive ranking of every episode we've watched thus far. And uh, yeah, check it out. And oh, while we're talking, uh, leave us a review on uh, on Apple uh, Podcasts. That'd be really, really helpful getting uh, more than Tom Brady listening to us. So, once- so Tom, I hear you. Review us. Yes. Once you vote tomorrow, then go and vote for us on Apple Podcasts. We need it more than your local DA. <laughs> yes, as opposed to the person determining the future of the criminal justice system in Queens, deciding how we're going to treat defenders, deal with cash bail, deal with uh, uh, social justice. Life is all about priorities, buddy. Oh, we believe that legislation to be unconstitutional. You do? Yes, we do. As attorneys at law. I see. 
Good job, Jimmy. You've dropped the bomb on my desk. There's absolutely no chance of me ruling on this ex parte. I'm going to notify the Attorney General's office so I can hear oral arguments from both sides. In wide open court? Yes, counsel, wide open court. That's the way I... Because, Keith, in essence, isn't this case truly about oral arguments? Like to do it. No. Oh, I just thought... Thought maybe I earned a cricket, might be but, uh, more appropriate to do this. No, you don't even get a cricket for yeah, that. Okay. Chambers. You, you realize, and, and maybe this is news to you. Straight people also and the same do that. for tomorrow morning, eleven o'clock. Not once they're married. Why are they still singing? You got a gospel choir. While we wait for our lawyer, we're in full regalia singing gospel. Guys, we're going to go discuss our case tomorrow at uh, 7.30 a.m. Make sure to wear your robes, everyone. Yeah, make sure your robes. Why does Bobby look sad? Why the gospel choir in front of me? I'd always be happy. We're good. Very good. So, we have a case. They can't reject us just because we're Christians. It's against the law. Could you guys be quiet for just a minute? I'm trying to now talk to the lawyer. So now, yeah. <laughs> this is our meeting. First Amendment. It's a synagogue, Ms. Burrow. They can reject you on Christianity. It's a reformed synagogue. Listen to them. We're good. I mean, okay. So let's. We we need to unpack this here. Uh, so. Her case, the Gospel Choir's case, is that they got rejected from a synagogue because they were Christian. Okay, fine. I, I get the I get the idea there. But my question is, flipping it back backwards, okay? So, you're in a synagogue. You're like, okay, we need some entertainment for our event. Uh, so, let me hire a Gospel Choir and expect them to be Jewish? <laughs> How exactly does that, like, who thought, like, oh, man, I can't wait to hear the great Jewish gospel choir from 21st Baptist? Well, that's what we're going to find out, Keith. Okay. Uh, we're back on our soundstage in L.A. Mm -hmm. It's Eugene getting out of a cab. Wearing a duster, of course. Oh, is he going to her apartment? Be no, Eugene. Leave. Go. Leave. Don't go there. First off, who has a first floor apartment that opens straight to the street? Miss Frazier. Inappropriate. May I come in? Call first. No. May I talk to you? No, you I'm can't come here. in. What the fuck makes you think you can come in? What I did to you on the witness stand was indecent. It was yeah, also right. required by law. As a defense attorney, I have to do everything I can to undermine the credibility of my client's accuser. I know that gives you a little consolation, but for the process to work, it has to be adversarial. Is that why you came here? To lecture me on the adversarial process? Yeah, fuck off, Eugene. I came here to say, my behavior in court was not meant to offend you personally. Though I don't expect you to accept my explanation, I hope that you might at least understand it. No. That. See, that's some bullshit. 
Because That's, you yeah. you know she can't understand it. You know she won't understand it. And thus, it's not for her. It's for you to get well, some shit out for you. Exactly. He's going there to make her, make him feel better about what he did to her. Right. Fuck off, Eugene. Fuck off, Eugene. You knew it was indecent. Only makes you more hateful for doing it. Yes. That you would suggest that you had no choice is obscene. In a rape case, of all things. Yes. What I'm saying. Showing up at her door. I heard what you said in court, too. And now you tell me, don't take it personally. You're trying to put the man who raped me back on the streets. And you come to my door expecting me to understand. Yeah, it's a selfish move, Eugene. Yeah, dick move. Dick move. Real dick move. Nothing in the statutes of our Constitution and nothing in the statutes of the laws of this Commonwealth says marriage has to be a man and a woman. And certainly nothing in the statute of liberty. And there's a reason Congress just passed the statute of liberty. That is my new Ah. favorite quote from any episode. I admit it, I snorted when I watched that the first time. Oh, look who it is. Yes. Hold on. I'm ready. I know that lawyer from somewhere. That is Jelko Ivanic, who you would know from pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was an Argo, Madam Secretary, True Blood, Damages, Heroes, West Wing, Oz, 24. He also has a extensive theater background and has been nominated for three Tonys. I... Did you see The Pillow Man? I did not. Oh, God damn, he was scary. Yeah, it was an election year. And also because to expand marriage into same-sex partnerships would serve to obliterate that institution. Objection, argumentative. That's the point of this session, counsel, to hear arguments. Look, marriage has always been an evolving concept. It used to be blacks couldn't marry whites. It used to be... That's a different bag, counsel. Always fundamental to the notion of marriage is procreation. And same-sex nope. couples... Procreation? So couples that don't plan to have children shouldn't be allowed... Another different bag. Why are all our arguments bags? Ms. Dole is right. Blacks can now marry whites. Jews can now marry Christians. And lesbians should be allowed to marry other mothers. <clears throat> ah! Oh, it's, Jimmy. It's a lovely notion to embrace such tolerance. And the expansion of gay rights is important to the growth of this nation. Major corporations now recognize homosexuals as domestic partners, as do many insurance companies, as they should. But this is marriage. We're talking about the sanctity of marriage. He's so good. Yeah. More than half of which sanctities end up in divorce. Cut to it, counsel. Okay, what's next? Same-sex marriage? Sure, we can do that. How about when three people want to join in union? All the same arguments of, of love and, and, and family apply? Why shouldn't we let them? How about two brothers who say it's central to their sexuality? Now, that's really sick. Uh, continue. Jimmy. Where does it stop? Jimmy. Should sex education in school include homosexual sex? And what about fidelity? Obviously. What about it? Same-sex unions, and don't anybody shoot me here, but same-sex unions aren't founded on fidelity the way heterosexual couples are. Oh, really? Are you gay? Yikes. Me? No, but I'd still like to know the authority for which he says that. I referenced Andrew Sullivan. Are you gay? Yeah. Well, you know, this is... Again, it's it's very similar to to Eugene's situation here, where like 
This is a very accurate representation of the arguments made against gay marriage before it was legalized. Oh, still being made. As, as re- well, yeah. True, the leading true advocates of same-sex marriages who says that a homosexual union requires a greater understanding of the need, I repeat, the need for extramarital outlets. Monogamy is not essential to same-sex unions. Monogamy is fundamental to the institution of marriage. Okay. As so I said at the beginning, Congress using like uh, no court would allow family. a single anecdotal even is against quote same-sex marriages, whether they ask an entire or concept. Tell. What they're asking here is to pry off a very dangerous lid. I respectfully submit that you say no. So dangerous. And Bobby and team changed the course. Of homosexual marriage rights in 1997. We'll find out right now. Move to strike. Your Honor, can we take a minute? Move to strike? I panicked. Move to strike. There's an empty room up ahead. It didn't go well, did it? No. No, your son's a moron. But it's such a long shot. I think you should finish. Me? Coming from the sun, it'll be more effective. uh, Yeah, but you're the Constitution expert. You know the argument. Plus, which it doesn't make her sick. Hey, I'm here, ain't I? Fan. Will you tell me, Jimmy, are you really here? Hey, Ma, you're good at guilting me, but this isn't exactly the time after what you just did to me. What did I do to you? What did you do to me? What did I do to you? I'll tell you. You march into my office and announce everything was pretend. That you're something else. That's right. Jimmy, I pretended. And I pretended mostly for you. Don't you think that I sacrificed enough? To pretend. My whole adult life. It was something I wasn't for the sake of my children. Do you have any idea... The sacrifice I made. That's your job. That's your job as a parent. When does the job end? You're 35 years old. I'm 62. Keith, he's only 35. Come for me. <laughs> oh fuck me. Oh man, that was a truth bomb. I didn't need today. <laughs> Forgive me for making you so sick. I'm not going to let you get away with that. You didn't just come out of some closet. You, you charged out. Before I even had time to absorb anything, you're asking me to go to court to make a big case out of it. You did this to hurt me on purpose. And I won't let you kill me. Kill me. The reason she came to your office is because she knew how you'd react. And she thought if she could get you to convince some judge to accept her for what she is, maybe you could somehow come to accept it. Look, I'm sure you're a very nice person, but... But I I don't understand. I have three children of my own, Jimmy. I understand. And I bet they were real supportive, like liberal adults through your big coming out party. As a matter of fact, they didn't. To them, I don't really exist anymore. So I do understand. Jimmy, 
just talk the legals, okay? No speeches. Okay. Legally, she's your mother. Two years suspended. If the judge agrees, which will be an hour. Bobby, on the next one, I want off. What do you mean you want off? I mean I want off. One rape a week is my limit. The probable cause hearing is today. Illinois can do it. Can you? Uh, sure. You're not up to speed on the second case, Eleanor. You told me that yourself. I can get up to speed. Eugene. Eugene, you're doing it. I'm not comfortable doing it. I... You don't spring discomfort three hours before a hearing. You handle it. I don't think I can give effective representation. No, your discomfort comes from knowing you can. This kid's father pays us a lot of money. Oh. Can. Well, then. Hey, I don't force you to Van. take cases, Eugene, but having taken the case, you can't pull out last minute. <laughs> I know. Get this the big important the first case, discussion. Do the probable cause the on the second one. Then we'll talk about moving you off. You giving me an order? You want me to give you an order? Just because I hate pulling rank doesn't mean I won't. See, Bobby's hair looks like new Bobby. I don't know. I think that's still tough to say. Tough to say. But I like that Eugene is struggling with this. Mom, yes. Jimmy sees his mother distraught. It's not just that, you know. I'll I'll go and wait over there. No, you can stay. My mother tell you much about me? Are you kidding? Blindfold me and I can play pin the tail on your birthmarks. Weird. All she does is talk about you. <laughs> That's inappropriate. Yeah. All she That's does is talk about your birthmarks? There's a mother and son Mom. closer than us. Ew. I'd like to meet him. We've been eating dinner together three times a week ever since I left home. And all the while, you and Michelle. Thanks for that exposition. As much as it hurts, you're telling me that... You're not telling me hurts more. <sighs> I know. It was killing me, Jimmy. I, I couldn't do it anymore. That's, that's why I had to tell you. She's great, too, man. I need you in my life. Yeah. I always will. Mm -hmm. It's great, Kathy. She looks yeah. like him, too. Two. Yeah. They didn't give Michelle a lot to do, but... You're agreeing to this? Not happily, but I want a conviction. Convince me I'll get it, and I'll be a jerk and revoke the offer. Mr. Porter, remaining as neutral as I can be, the idea of letting you walk with no jail time is almost as offensive as your crime. Plea entered, two years suspended. Absolutely. I wish you the Disgusting. very best of luck in your next rape trial. Adjourned. But happens, Your still happens, in the all too often. On the other case, we should go in an hour or so. If you're white. 
Excuse me. Please do not go talk Eugene. to her, Eugene. I wouldn't. Yes, thank you, Eleanor. Don't, you idiot. Not about you, buddy. I got nothing to say. He's gonna go up to her. Great. Whether you choose to believe me or not is totally up to you. But I am sorry for what I had to do to you. You didn't do anything to me. You attacked a total stranger sitting in that witness chair. You're here feeling sorry for the person you met in a clothing store. You want forgiveness, Mr. Young? Go find some other anonymous rape victim you chewed up. Apologize to her. That was a great line. That you was know what a great, I love, though, uh, about this parsing of the issue, too? That procreation argument is entirely spurious. I mean, it really was. No and I, I should be allowed to get You know what? I'll talk about That's the test. I didn't lend any merit to that yeah. argument. May I clarify? No. Uh, I think you came. Could you pronounce his name first again, opposing counsel in this case? Jelko. He has been in, uh, he'll be in what? A, collect, a collected two scenes in this episode. And I still think he makes a case for best guest actor. I don't, I don't yep. think I can award it to him, but he's that good at just being. No, he's just inherently he's that good. And it's my turn now. I'm no expert on gay people. Truth is, I, I've never even known one up close. Oh, God. Now. Well, let me tell you what I do know. I know enough about Congress to say they're the last group of schlubs who should be telling us what the institution of marriage is. That Defense of Marriage Act. I believe that was started by a senator and a congressman who had five wives between them. But one of them went on to become the Republican nominee. And uh, it was signed by a president who I personally mm -hmm. don't rely on for family value fidelity tips. The issue, counsel, not the politics. This issue is mm -hmm. all politics. Gay people can't marry. That isn't politics. You don't think he's running for something? Again, the issue, please. We let sex offenders marry and have children. We let people in prison get married. We let convicted deadbeat dads marry again. So let's not preach about the sanctity of some institution. It's everybody's right to get married. Why don't they get it? And let me say this, that crack about gay people being promiscuous and not understanding fidelity, what's that if not blatant bigotry? If he said that about blacks or some other race, you would have pounced on him. But you let it go about homosexuals. Shame on you. Right. And for this gay, don't tell me she doesn't understand what it means to be loyal. She stayed faithful to my father for 30 years, even though, even though it didn't necessarily come natural. She pretended for the sake of... She understands what commitment to family means. This person... Her son. I, uh, I hate the fact that my mother's a lesbian. I admit that. But I've also never been more proud of her. Keith, I've decided that I'm giving you one more piece of homework. Okay. I want you to compose a bumper entitled The Clothes that we play before each big close of the episode. Oh, yeah. No, totally. And speaking of... 
good clothes, Jimmy. Great clothes. And I realized that we always always are so quiet before the clothes because it's usually pretty riveting. Yeah. I'm starting to think they write backwards. <laughs> uh, they probably do. Yeah. I mean, I would. Yeah. And so I think we should feature it. Okay. And whether this court says it's okay for you to get married or not, I promise you aren't going to get any argument from me. Zing! Reaction, Saturday at midnight on Extreme Action Saturday. <laughs> hey, no attention to the Burger King commercial taking place right now. Home of the Whopper. The FX Burger King commercial. Out of Practice Podcast brought to you by your local PK. <laughs> but intense because it's FX. FX isn't like that anymore, though. No, this was 90s FX. Yeah, it's like comedy. Or early 2000s. There's a couple of FX. There's like FXX. It's true. She's right. You're not beating yourself up because of what you did in a courtroom. It's only because you bumped into her in a clothing store. Yeah. And suppose you ran into her in that clothing store before she took the stand. Then what, Eugene? What's your point? My point is we can't let them be human beings on the stand. They're the enemy. You know that better than I do. It has Wait, to be how? us. Is she the one making this argument? This cats and dogs living together. It's mass hysteria. Them. They're not oh, mothers. Goodness. They don't have jobs or, or, or pet dogs or hobbies. They are accusing witnesses, period. Now grow up. Damn. Yikes. Look, if you don't think you can do the probable cause, then I will do it. Never mind what Bobby says. Maybe I should take over. I know the case. I can do it. Eugene, we have a half an hour. You can bring me up to speed. I'm fine. I can do it. Is he going to sabotage I must say I found the candor of this hearing to be very refreshing. Neither side tried to hide its bias, so I'm not going to try to hide mine. Though I'm certainly willing to tolerate homosexuality, I'm just not ready to encourage it. And by permitting same-sex marriage, we do impliedly hold it up as an ideal. Because marriage is a great, great thing. Now, there is increasing research, including that of former Harvard professor E.G. Patolo, which indicates people are born with the potential to live heterosexual or homosexual lives. I cite a 1993 article in the Washington Post, which not only supports this research, but goes on to quote teenagers who now find it cool to say that they are gay or bi. There are kids today going through a lot of sexual confusion. As a judge, I don't want to say or suggest that one way is just as natural as the other. If this Uh makes me a bigot, I'm just going to have to wear that hat. Yes, yes, yes it does. As much as I support your right to choose an alternative lifestyle, Mrs. Baludi, For me, I think it's important to keep the word alternative as part of the definition. Now, by uh, going on record with my prejudice, I've certainly armed you with grounds for an appeal. But for now, your petition for a marriage license is denied. That's all. Sorry. Chickened out. Thank you. The truth is... I think I got my victory listening to your closing. (laughs) Do you know how much money that cost us, Mom? 
if you just wanted me to accept you, you cost your you cost us our, our our firm a shit ton of money. <laughs> <laughs> know what? I got a crazy idea. What? Just let me make a quick call. Let's go on a boat, and I'll marry you there. Do you marry? Ah, oh, they're bringing all the crazies into the office for the marriage. Mary Beth, take they this sure woman, Michelle, to be your, well, unlawfully wedded spouse, to honor her, to love her, and to cherish her till death do Which you part. I do. And do you, Michelle, take this woman, Mary Beth, to be your wedded spouse, and promise to love her, to honor her, and to cherish her till death do you part? I do. Who gives the bride away? I do. And who gives this bride All away? right, you got me. Yeah. Goosebumpies. I guess I could do that. We'll get the rings later. For now, by the power vested in me, by the concept and It's a really beautiful gesture by Jimmy. I yeah, pronounce you both. Look at the clown. And yeah. Okay. So everybody, stop for a second. See, this is this is my this is my whole feeling about this. It is so beautiful and great, and what a great turn! It's so progressive in 1997. This was would be wildly controversial to have a gay wedding on the show. But why is there a fucking clown right behind them in full clown makeup? Why, like? Okay, first off, it's probably like 10 o'clock at night now. Mm -hmm. Why is the gospel choir still there in their robes? And why is there a clown in the office? It's so ridiculous. They, got and, they gotta do it, buddy. They gotta do what they gotta do. Yeah, but like, and and here's the thing. It's, it's so tough because you have this beautiful, progressive story here that I think is important for people to see in 1997. I feel like stories like this plays played a role in the turn that Absolutely. happened in the last 20 years. Absolutely. But you're still portraying it as a literal circus. A gay wedding is a literal circus. There is a clown. Okay, we can continue. Spouse. The brides may kiss. Gay wedding and a gay kiss on television in '97. Deal. We better put a clown Great. in. We better put a clown in. But there's a clown. Thank God, thank God for Mama. Oh, appropriate song choice. For Mama, she told me how to pray. Thank God for Mama. Thank you. What do I call her? Mom. I have to call her mom. Dad? I think Michelle would be fine. Are you okay? I'm fine. But I don't want to hear nothing about the honeymoon. Gross. Okay. That's that's fair. Yes. Me neither, to be honest. Cheers. 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 And Miss Burke, do you see in the courtroom here today the man who raped you? Yes. Could you point him out to us? He's the man sitting right over there. The record will reflect the witness has indicated the defendant, Henry Porter. Nothing further. 
All right, uh, Eugene, here's your big moment. Mr. Young? Are you okay? Yeah. Get your shit together, Eugene. Rape is a terrible crime, isn't it, Miss Burke? Yes. One of the most vile crimes a person can commit, would you agree? I suppose so. And it would be a terrible thing to falsely accuse someone of rape, wouldn't it? I'm not doing that. Terrible because not only would that destroy the life of the person being falsely accused, but it would make people less likely to believe the claims of women who had been raped. Objection. Withdraw. What were you wearing on this night, Miss Burke? Please tell the court what you were wearing. Sigh. There we okay. have it. Okay. Yeah. Well, so here's here's something that because because you're on the road and you had to use the FX version, not the version on the. Mm-hmm, which we do apologize for. We will be back to our regular schedule, legally permitting you Hulu uh, uh, next time. So what you missed uh, because we weren't watching it on Hulu is on Hulu it cuts to next week on the practice. And you want to know what episode they do next week? It's the wrong episode. They do the episode where we find out about the like the the priest and the exorcism and such. So they full on are so confused about the timeline that they put the wrong next week. Next uh. week was an episode from three episodes ago. Oh no, we are like and like. Okay, great. You or you you show things out of order, and you know that happens, right? But it's twenty two years later. You couldn't fix you couldn't fix that. Although I still stand by our decision to air things by air date. No, absolutely. I mean, I because th- that's how we we got it then. But I just I can't understand how. Okay, so you're going to go and remaster this, digitize it, throw it up on Hulu. You don't like. First off, why do you even have the next week on? Yeah. Why are you still broadcasting that part? Yeah. But if you are, at least, like, make it <laughs> correct. Mm. I don't know. Crazy. Okay. Well, beyond that, so we've had a very interesting episode, and we have some important things to talk about, starting it's true. with. That's true. Which is a very interesting call for this episode because we basically we have we have two things that we see in the courtroom, mm-hmm. and one is a very valiant loss, and the other is a really despicable win. And by it's it's tough to say because like most valuable lawyer usually comes down to regardless of whether or not we agree with the outcome or the argument. Did this person do the best job as a lawyer? But then again, the entire point of this episode was to talk about how despicable that was, regardless, and where the outcome was also despicable. We're actively rooting against our lawyers here. Right. And the truth of the matter is, is though, unlike when they've in the in the past gotten, let's say, a, a, a murderer off. Right. They get this rapist off, but with the caveat that they have another case they're going into. And they're but also they're 
they're re-victimizing the victim as a case where like a murder you can't like re-murder somebody but you can certainly re-traumatize a rape victim by treating them like that keith we find ourselves in a similar quandary as you've already stated where if we go by the letter of our rules i mean eugene did some great lawyering today true although here's here's my argument why we do not have to give eugene most valuable lawyer and that is uh one of the things you you noticed uh, at the end of Jimmy's trial, the judge said, exposed mm. his own bias and said, because I exposed my own bias, you have grounds for appeal. And if you look at this in the in the large picture, right? In the that big moves picture them up of, the chain, right? Yes. And, and in, the, in the big picture of gay marriage, it had gay marriage happened because of winning Little court cases, cases. Like this. Winning, ca- winning cases like this. And Massachusetts, where this takes place, was the first state to allow actual gay marriage. So, looking in the big picture, Jimmy went and I think chipped against the wall against gay marriage. And so, in the big picture, even though he lost that particular round, I think he did some really good lawyering, building the larger case, even as fictional though it may be, in helping gay marriage happen. So I'm giving it to Jimmy because in the big picture, he did some good lawyering. I wholeheartedly, with full my full soul and my full conscience, agree. So uh, good job, Jimmy. So that leaves us with... Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting, Getting a paycheck. Entry on your IMDb. Way to go, but you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode. Okay, best guest actor. Who are you thinking? Well, you heard my uh, my diatribe before, but I uh, I'm not going to give it to him, and I'm going to instead give it to Jimmy's mom, Lois Smith. Yeah, no, I, I, I think definitely um, it, it does go to Lois Smith. And in a, in a very key role, because, you know, again, pulling back into the meta universe of this, and this shows and this episode's role in the larger fight for, for equality and for gay marriage, having an actress who's able to bring the heart and soul and believability to this character this really does, in the real world, help chip away at people's uh, uh, homophobia. Mm-hmm. And so I think not only did she do a good job in the show itself, but I think she did a good job in the, uh, in the big picture. So uh, more on that later. But first, we must choose... You killed your podiatrist or blew the case But you let a single tear run down your face You're the best actor on the show You know, just, I I questioned whether he'd be able to pull it off earlier But I find that Michael Badalucho, once again Was able to play his arc really quickly and I think that close really, really brought it home for me. I really thought he, once again, it was a really kind of, 
for for someone who they asks to so often to play such large comedic beats, yeah, he he can do subtlety very well. Yeah, and <laughs> for for a guy who said the Statute of Liberty <laughs> at the beginning of the episode, at the beginning of the episode, is able to bring a, a hard close home. And though Eugene, I thought did some great work dealing with some moral quandaries. Yeah, um, and we've just given him so many awards. We know he's great. I think Jimmy had another chance to shine here and did so. Uh, wonderfully yeah i i I agree uh i think um yeah i mean eugene does does steve harris does a really good job but yeah that like they really do hand michael like huge arcs over the Mm -hmm. course of 42 minutes and really he probably only gets like 15 because of all the other story arcs uh yeah felt felt really believable i thought he had a moment there with his mother that he like you could feel he was really connected to it was really Really good work. Um, so, uh, congratulations, Michael Badalucho, for your best actor. We forgot to we forgot to uh, applaud for Lois Smith. Let's applause for all of our yeah, yeah for, our for everyone. And to Jimmy, the fictional character, also gets your applause. Really, congratulations. <laughs> uh, which now brings us, ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. Um, it's a middling episode. I mean, I yes, when we really parse the 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 issues at hand, I think there's some interesting conversations to be had. But if you look at the pure execution, we've had we had some good acting, but once again, you know, we struggle with a bit of incongruity um, that we've seen in the past. Which I get, it's network TV, and we have to have some comedic beats, but just lots of, a lot of times it feels like we're making a stir-fry and not all the ingredients are quite at, at the same heat level. Hmm, that was an analogy that didn't go where I wanted it to. No, it made sense. I was with you. All right, cool. Um, but at the same time, you know, the, the close and the ending really brings it home, so if you stuck with it, I think you're rewarded. Uh, I, I, I think it's better than a five... The acting brings elevates it again to like a six and a half. I think six and a half is where I sit. Okay, yeah, fair enough. And I I agree with you um, with with some of the incongruities. Like, you know, as I mentioned while we were talking, I the the whole stuff with the clown and the robes, like it's so silly and just sort of not. <sighs> there's sometimes where I feel like a a lot of directors come in and don't quite get the tone of the show. So the comedic beats are a little ham fisted and overdone. And mm-hmm. I wish that they were more subtle. I obviously definitely wish that you didn't have the circus element to the gay wedding. I thought that cheapened what was a really beautiful moment. So I agree with yeah, you. And I think that's more than an oversight than anything else. And that just shows a little bit of negligence or a, yeah, I, it just it was just like laziness. Well, I think it was just like, oh, like, you know, let's have this running gag with a clown through the show without. Yeah, like thinking about the big picture. Um, and, you know, if it was an unintentional uh, message they were sending, then it's sort of it's it's sort of bad direction. If it's intentional, then I don't like that message. Anyway, all of that said, I actually feel I really like this episode, um, and and I I think, like I said before, it articulates what we were up against 
1997 in a lot of different ways. And and in a way that we are still up against in much of the country, we are, we live because we live in New York City. We have the luxury of not living in this world very much mm-hmm. anymore, but it's still very much there. I think um, again, pulling back to the meta, it was really important. You know, like the Ellen moment, like a lot of these things. It's important that this was on television, and unfortunately, you know, so few of the things that they're articulating on this show have changed. Since mm-hmm. then, you know, so much with the with the racial bias and the policing and like there's a lot of it just like fuck, that's exactly just as bad as it was back then. This is something that really has changed. And mm-hmm. you know, it feels dated in in a good way that people just you know, that most people no longer feel this way uh on this topic. And so I think it's I think from that standpoint, it's not only a good representation of the issue, it is also good that it was on television. And, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I just, I think that's also an interesting experiment in what we're doing here in that, you know, since you watched this at that time period, yeah. and I'm now watching it outside of that vacuum, you know, it's nothing, uh, these things don't exist, uh, I should have said it, they don't exist in a vacuum. So for me, it's harder for me to to equate how progressive it really right, is right. at its time period, right? Because I'm here, I'm now. I didn't see it then, even though I lived through it then. No, sure. Well, and I you have a you have that touch point. No, that's a really good point because I remember watching this in '97 and being like, "Oh shit, they just did that on right. television," and and uh, yeah, and now it seems like, "Oh well, why are we even talking? <laughs> like, why is this even like a, a yeah. thing?" Um, you know, but I'll I'll say one more thing about it because I, you know, I have a connection to this type of a story because at this point in my life, my grandparents were in the beginning stages of advocating for what became um, the civil unions bill in Vermont. My whole family did. Um, ironically, none of us ended up being gay, but whatever. We were, you know, that that was a that was a big deal, and so that in. Is only three years later that the civil unions bill passed in Vermont, and my grandparents spoke um, in the Senate, testifying on behalf of it. Oh wow! Um, and uh, so my whole family was was very uh, it was, it was a big part of advocating for this. And the reason I bring it up not only because I'm just sort of proud that they were on board with that, but um, I asked my grandfather because he he you know grew up in the 40s, 50s, and sort of conservative, and didn't didn't understand gays, didn't you know was wasn't okay with any of it, and it turned in the 80s, and he like literally has been advocating for gay rights since the 80s, and I'm like, okay, so what turned you, like what what turned you around on that? Because like your none of your kids are gay, none of your grandkids are gay, you don't have any relatives whatsoever, and it was uh, it was actually his church. Um, hmm. uh, the CCP church up in Burlington was always advocating and fighting for gay rights. He got thrown, they got thrown out of the presbytery like six times, um, because they were in favor of gay marriage. But I, uh, but what I, what I asked him was like, so what changed? And it was exactly what this episode does right. And he says it changed because I met some gay people and I talked to them about what they were what they were going through, and it was the personal connection, the personal emotional connection. It wasn't the political 
big picture concept of like unfairness or the something that you would argue in court. It was just, well, I found out that these were people and what they were going through was real and difficult and connected on an emotional level. And it was impossible when you actually looked eye to eye with a real person going through some of the shit they, they were being put through. It just made it real to him. And I think what this episode does well is it really makes it about Jimmy's connection with his mother. You know, Lindsay's, Lindsay's quote, like, well, legally, she's your mother. And, and what turned Jimmy around was the personal emotional connection. It wasn't the political concept, this, that, the other thing. And it was like, that, I think, is missing in a lot of the arguments. It's just, it's really hard if you sit down and have a beer with somebody and, and just hear like, oh, this is what it was like going through middle school. This is what it was like. This is what I, it's, it's just, it's impossible <laughs> to stay that bigoted yeah. if you are able to look eye to eye with somebody and connect on an emotional level. So that was like my big, long-winded speech of saying that I, despite my criticisms of this episode, which I, which I think I, I hold to, big picture um and the, the eugene story like i'm glad that we articulated the ugliness of that argument and that one is still being mm-hmm. made um but i'm glad we saw that land and i'm glad we saw that and i'm just going on and on uh the other thing i liked about the yeah i what what's what i hope you give it a high number it sounds i'm like going you really to enjoy the, it. the other part about the eugene part and this and sorry i'm going in circles is that he went to her twice to be forgiven, to be explained, and he was never let off the hook. Yes. I thought that was a great choice. I, too. I think like that's good writing because you expect like the first time maybe it doesn't work, but the second time you know it's gonna work. She's gonna turn, there's gonna be No. He was never let off the hook. And what he had to do was never let out let off the hook. And I think it's good writing, and I think it's a good point. So that is the longest winded way of saying I give this episode an eight. Okay, so that brings us to I don't know what's the average there six point five to a to an eight. Actually, I, I might bump to a seven, only because of those points we just I just talked for like an hour. You've you've argued me up a half. Hey, a look point. at that! So we half a tire, half, half a, a tire. tire. So if you're up to a seven, I'm up to an eight. It's a seven point five. That feels right. Yeah. So uh. Yeah, wow. So sorry for talking for ten thousand years on that, but no, man, you got on your soapbox and you 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 argued yourself a half. A there time. it is. Well, I didn't wasn't able to uh, solve <laughs> racism, uh, homophobia, yeah. or how we treat rape victims, but I did get us an extra half a tire. Hey, <laughs> well, it's, it's something. That's one win for that's today. My, I'll take my victory. So if you want to uh, email me and tell me that I'm wrong. Uh, please send us an email at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram or Facebook at outofpracticepodcast and on Blogspot at outofpractice.blogspot.com. Well said. We are looking forward to next week's episode, Season 2, Episode 14, entitled... I don't know. I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> Entitled Season 2, Episode 14 of The Practice. In which we baited, wait, wait with bated breath to see if we could actually go back to Season 2 because that's where we, we want to We bait with weighted breath. Let's 
do it. Yeah, leave us a, and after that, leave us a review on uh, Apple Podcast. Very much appreciate it. Hey, wife, you just got home. Look at that. Happy Monday to you, Jillian, and to all of the spouses out there. And Keith, to you, I send a hearty laser sound. What is Wisdom of One? Wisdom of One is the story of me, the brave and powerful hero, Skankross 7 and counting. Wisdom of One, there's like all these crazy adventures that we go on. It always has something new. <laughs> this podcast has many, many personality disorders in evidence. See if you can spot them all. The one telling the story is shockingly repressed. Yet another Dungeons and Dragons comedy podcast. Interrupted by long stretches of grunting from Dagon and pointless NPC nonsense you should skip through. Sometimes it's just more fun than real life, I guess. So find us on your podcatcher of choice. Give us a listen, rate and review us. We need your help there for sure. Wisdom of one. Failure is a way of life. Charisma of 20 by-